It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I'm excited to introduce my new book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose, featuring some of the most profound insights and aha moments from our award-winning shows like Life Class, Masterclass, and Super Soul Conversations. These visionaries and trailblazers followed the path toward the life they knew was possible and shared their lessons with me. My hope is that The Path Made Clear will help you take the first steps toward discovering not only who you are, but who you're meant to be. Hello, everybody. Welcome to one of my most cherished paths here in the backyard of my home in Santa Barbara. I call this Hallelujah Lane because when you look up at the palms or look straight down the path, all the palms are raised in praise. Hallelujah. It also serves as a reminder that all of us are on our own individual paths towards the highest, truest version of ourselves. That's why I named this book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering a Life of Direction and Purpose. It's because I believe that every one of us was born with a purpose. If you're here, you matter. And regardless of who you are or how far you think you have to go, you've been tapped by a force, the force of creation that is greater than yourself to step into your God-given calling. So let's begin with chapter one, what I call the seeds of truth that make you uniquely you. And then we're gonna uncover the roots from which all of your skills and all of your talents are allowed to blossom. Do you believe that everybody has a calling? Absolutely. And how do we open ourselves to that calling? How can we be more open to hear and more open to find the path that is our calling? First, we have to believe that we do have a purpose. Mm-hmm. It goes back to that eternity in their hearts. We all every have a purpose. Per- every person has a purpose. Every individual has a purpose. Purpose is not static. Purpose is dynamic. Woo, that's good. Purpose continues to be applied throughout your life. Oh, tweetable moment, I said. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because what your gifts, your talents and abilities that are given to you by God, that remains consistent throughout your life. 
But how you apply that changes as you live life from one level to another and you go through stages of life. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike. And that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You wake up, then you wake up some more. You, you die to oneself, you're reborn. It's an evolution of consciousness. I mean, if you look at the way God created the world. It all, it's always about a seed and a sprout and a flower, and then it goes back to seed. It's mm-hmm. always about process and unfolding. I think we're probably on a journey of greater and greater consciousness, mm-hmm. becoming more compassionate, more loving. And that is a lifelong spiraling process. Even the most unconscious person, against their, their greatest will, they are on a process to evolve. Life gives us opportunity after opportunity to ask yourself, is this my truest self or am I living the inauthentic self? Becoming conscious means to recognize when that moment arrives. The question, here's the question. What have I come here to do with my life? You telling me you never got that question? That's the question that begins every single quest. What have I come here to do with my life? 
There's no one who hasn't had that question come to them. That's the call. Right. And there are still just huge swaths of women who never got the memo that their lives belong to them. And there's this instinct that they have that they need a permission slip from the principal's office for anything. You are allowed to ask yourself some really important questions about your life. You are allowed to take accountability and ownership for your own journey. You're allowed to ask what serves you sometimes, because I know you've been trained up to serve everyone, but you're allowed to turn that on yourself and honor your own life that you were given. You have life, you have, you have purpose. purpose. And that is true of every, every one of the everything. seven billion of us. Totally, it yeah. can't be otherwise. This is what's so extraordinary. The tiniest, tiniest truth is the same at the big level. If you have life, one drop of life, one atom is as purposeful as our planet. Wow. What is in one is in the whole. Wow. It can't be otherwise. It cannot. Now, you, if you, now I knew that and I say that, but I just got that in a different way. Makes me want to weep. So you weren't a great student. No. Didn't even read well. Yeah. And your mother was really upset with you because you were failing the third grade. Exactly. Which is reason to be concerned. Yes, I was much totally, totally failing the third, yes. Failing the third grade. But your grandmother wasn't worried. My grandmother wasn't worried. She liked all the questions I asked and would always give me an answer. And, and she'd always say, Brian, you're going to be special. You're going to use this curiosity. You're going to be a special kid. And I often was looking at my report card while she's saying, you're going to be special. My report card said all Fs and Ds. And I'm going, what is she? Does she know what's going on here? I'm getting all Fs and she's telling me I'm going to be special. But she just had this sustained belief in me and validated me for the questions and, and asking questions and curiosity. But I did use this curiosity to meet new people in subjects that I would have never learned anything about. And by by meeting these new people, it's given life to movies and television shows I've done. It's helped me in my personal life with my children. It, it's been a, a powerful force in my life. My parents both worked really hard. My, I have never known either of my parents to have just one job. They always had many jobs at once and they worked really hard so that we could have the things we wanted. And I grew up aware of that, but we also, I also grew up in a house where they were not around for the nine to five, but they were there for the important stuff. They never missed a play. They were, you know, they were, they were very present, but they weren't around. Uh, and, and so I had this enormously rich imaginative life, as my Twitter followers will know, because you will see hours of VHS videos and movies that I made growing up. Um, but, but that time and that sort of creative loneliness, does that make sense? Yes, is that, is, is that yes, a phrase? Yes. When did you know that comedy was a way out and My it could save you? My dad was funny. Yeah, your dad was he funny. He was Richard Pryor funny. He was Richard he Pryor. He did it in Vietnam. Wow. He was funny, so I was, I was, I didn't really stay under my friends. Mm -hmm. I stood, I like hung out with my dad and his friends. The, the conversation between his friends and him were more stimulating. I couldn't learn nothing from my friends. I, they knew what I knew, mm -hmm. but I could learn from my, my father and his friends. And he was funny. He was funny. I remember when he came to the projects, everybody came out, because Jimmy's here, Jimmy's here. And he would start snapping on people and ranking on people. <laughs> and I remember him sitting me on his lap at four. He said, say to Booboo, he said, say your mother this and that. And I said, I think you're lying. And everybody started laughing. <laughs> and I liked that. And that's how far back it went. It was my dad. 
My father had died. Uh, he was 23. My mother was a 21-year-old widow uh, with this little baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, she dressed me to take me to the funeral parlor. Her brothers and sisters are, said, you're not going to, you cannot take that child yes. to a funeral parlor. Mm -hmm. My mother said, her father died. She has to grieve like we do. She's going. So she's holding me now in front of the casket. I've got my little hands around her head. I can feel the tears. Her face are, is wet. I know something terrible, but I'm looking over her shoulder, mm -hmm. like I'm looking there. And down there, at the end of the casket, I said, Mama, what are those two things? What are those things? At, at, there, at the end. And my mother son, uh, hugs me a little, and she says, Honey, those are, those are sisters. Those are special friends of daddy's and special friends of God's. They taught your daddy in high school, and they're going to stay here tonight. And when God comes for daddy's soul, they're going to say, this is Joan's daddy, and, and he, he's very good. Take him straight to God. And I said to myself, I want to be one of those. I thought that was the best job in the, in the world. You just sit around waiting and, and helping, helping people's daddies get to That's God. That's right. Helping people's that daddies was, get to God. And I spent the rest of my life racing across streets to say hello to nuns. Hi, sister. Hi, sister. And I went to a Catholic school, and I was not disappointed. Those sisters were loving. They were smart. They were competent. And they became a model of womanhood for me. Mm. A long time before there was any language for it. The reason for which we were created is to grow every day, to more resemble, reflect, and reveal the character of the one who created us. Mm. For much of my life, I've taken every opportunity to share what I see as a cornerstone spiritual principle. And that is this, your life is always speaking to you. If you've ever heard that small, still voice inside saying, hmm, something feels a little off here, or it could be goosebumps, a shiver down your spine, the hairs on the back of your neck or your arms stand up, whatever form those, what I call, whispers take, it's not a coincidence. Your life is trying to tell you something, and whether you listen to that or not, you are always making the choice between staying the course, even if it's no longer working for you, or heeding the call, the call to your destiny. If we went out to dinner and, and talked about the things that mattered to us most, I would say, no, family matters so much to me. Yeah. Uh, my spiritual life matters to me. A deep sense of connection with the people that I love. And if you looked at my day-to-day -day life, you would say, frankly, who you are is exhausted, isolated, anxious, not sleeping well, always hustling to leave something early to come late to the next thing, skimming in all of my most important relationships. Yeah. And also something you said that struck me, that you were productive, productive, see if you all relate to this, productive, 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 but you knew you were not well. When I look back, mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, I had migraines, I had vertigo, I had what our family affectionately termed the stress barfs, where I would just throw up several times a week when I got anxious about something. You weren't sleeping? Not sleep. I would wake up every day at 3 a.m. Uh -huh. you know, like, these are warning signs. I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't listening to my soul. I was just continuing to so work. So even when your body is saying something's wrong, because waking up and barfing and all of that is your body saying, hey, 
Yeah, your right? body is trying to speak to you. I always think that, you know, everything is speaking to you all the time. Your life is speaking to you all the time. But even then, you couldn't hear it or called it something else. I think I was so invested in the perception of, of being known as a highly competent, responsible person. And that was so important to me that I sacrificed my physical health, my emotional health, so that, so that I could be known as someone who's really, really capable. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I, I would think that, oh, well, I'm just waiting on God to tell me where he wants me to go. Yeah. I'm just, God, tell me. Tell me what is it you want me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've come to a very clear understanding now. It's not that God's not talking to me. It's that for so long, I just haven't been listening. Yes. I've been allowing so much of the noise to cloud this conversation yeah. I'm supposed to be having, and I've been so distracted that he's been sending messages this whole time. I want people to not look at my story and say, oh, it's amazing what she's done. That's so inspiring. I want them to also feel that they have that inside of themselves. Yeah, to live an inspired life. Live an inspired life. Yeah. Well, you're doing that. You know you're doing mm -hmm. that. I feel, so I've had all these little whispers throughout my life. You're meant to do more, Amy. You're meant to do more. And now those whispers have quieted down, I feel like, because I'm doing it. You're in the space mm -hmm. where you belong. Right. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. Thomas's presents Tackling Traffic with Tom. Good morrow. Tis your reminder to savour the morning with Thomas's breakfast. And while you may not be able to control what occurs on your commute, like your horse and buggy popping a wheel and axle on the way to the schoolhouse, you can control what you put atop your soft but crunchy bagel and the toastiness of your English muffin. So do take the time to savour the morning with Thomas's. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. I think it all ties down to our identity, what we really, really are. Because if we don't know that, what we're doing is we're always living a life where we're chasing to fulfill a sense of self, which feels underneath it, inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to fill it with love or approval or success or you know, the million ways that we seek fulfillment from outside of ourselves. And no matter how much fulfillment we get, there's, there's that place inside that until we've realized the truth of our being, until we've realized we are a presence primarily and a person secondarily, we will feel estranged from our own being. Are you facing a disruption in your life that has you filled with fear, anxiety, some trepidation. Author Stephen Pressfield taught me, the more important an activity is to your soul's evolution, the more resistance you will feel to it. This was a big bing, 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 bing moment for me. It means that with every dream, there is automatically going to be some resistance or clouds, as I call them in the book. But your will, your sheer will can be strong enough to declare I 
want this. And if it's for you, you can have it and confront that fear head on. Resistance, as I define it, with a capital R, is that negative force that arises whenever we try to move from a lower level to a higher level, or where we're trying to identify with our nobler nature, with our higher nature. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get out of your own little petty ego yeah. and, and channel the muse or try to get something wonderful out there. Yeah. So that elicits this equal and opposite negative force. Okay. I'm fighting that part of me that says, you can't do that, Yeah. don't do that. And there's a part of me that says, come on, we're going to do this. And then the other part says, don't you remember what happened last time? Oh, you're going to do that? You can't do it. It's in me. And there's a part of so me. So that's where the real battle that's is. That's where yeah. the real battle is. That is where the crux and the core of trust comes in. Those two parts of us. The part of us that would rather stay broke and miserable, complaining, you know, living in the whatever the mediocrity. And why, why, because we're afraid? Because we get to control it. We get to control it. I know how to be broke and poor and struggle and suffer and, and be angry. I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I got a degree. <laughs> but when it comes to being open and vulnerable, because mm -hmm. trust, the core ingredient of trust is vulnerability. Yeah. What do you mean by let go now or fall? Right. Fear comes up out of your heart. That's a very natural thing. It's human. All right? You are watching. You see it. You have the right to relax. Let it pass right through you. If you don't do that, you're going to try and fix it. You're going to try and control situations outside so you don't ever feel the fear. And it all starts to bother you. That's what it means. You'll fall. And eventually you'll lose your consciousness. You'll forget your whole purpose. And you'll just be scared. You just get scared. I know this is going to sound simple, but I really feel this, that your self-worth is your job. It's your sacred space to cultivate. And one of the things I do now after all this healing work I've done is I sit in my journal or my meditation time and I say, what would I do about this thing, whatever it is? Sometimes it's an opportunity that I think I'm not ready for. Sometimes it's somebody telling me that I can't or I'm not worthy, you know, mm -hmm. of something. And I sit in my private space and I say, I really just play it all out. I can visualize it or write it. And I say, what would I do if I were, if I knew I was 100% worthy of this? What would I do? What, what would I do if I, I were 100% worthy? If I knew. If I knew. What would I do? Just what if? How many times have you witnessed someone, maybe even yourself, get this close to achieving a goal, this close, only to see it all suddenly fall apart. Well, what I do know for sure is that the variable between winning the race and faltering at the finish line lies with one of the guiding forces in my life, and that is intention. Chapter five makes clear that in order to set a new course for yourself, you must first articulate your vision. And after that, it's all about getting in flow finding the flow and letting that flow carry you forward. All souls have the capacity to be great souls. And your job and my job while we are in the Earth School is to align our personalities with our souls. And we do that by becoming the personality 
that has the same intentions of the soul, harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life. Potential is always bigger than the problem. Potential is always bigger than the problem. Your potential is infinite and is always bigger than whatever problem you're going through. So when you begin to have a vision. Oh, this is good. I'm going to shout in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. good. This is really good. Amen. Good. <laughs> you begin to have a, a, a vision about the possibility. Mm -hmm. Begin to talk about it. Begin to write it down. Begin to dream about it. And then what I, what I teach is you talk about it. Doesn't mean you talk to everybody because everyone is not trustworthy. That's right. You talk to selected friends. About it. About it. You talk to it. Uh -huh. You actually talk to the vision. Talk to the possibility. Talk to love. You talk to peace. You talk to prosperity. I see you everywhere. I always say a little prayer before I go into my music room. And it's a sort of a prayer of intention, you know, of please let me bring forth something, help me, that will help heal. But this is what's amazing to me, is that at 15 years old, you made a decision after meeting your friend Wendy that you were going to go to school as a girl, mm -hmm. that you basically transitioned mm -hmm. in your own heart and that you had the courage to step out and do that at 15 years old. Yeah. I come back after ninth grade and I was like, I'm not going to present in a way that makes anyone else comfortable. I'm going to present in a way that makes me comfortable. And so I had just been elected class treasurer. And so I stand on that stage the first day of school, our sophomore class, and I say, hello, everyone. I'm Janet. And did everyone just accept it? I wouldn't say accepted it. I think a lot of people tolerated it. I think that's pretty amazing. So can you read the Parenting Manifesto? I can. Yes. And this is, every, every home has to have its own manifesto. Yeah. But I love this for people to sort of incorporate as their own and adjust as, as, as they will. But above all else, I want you to know that you are loved and lovable. You're saying this to your children? Yes. Okay. You will learn this from my words and my actions. The lessons on love are in how I treat you and how I treat myself. I want you to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. You will learn that you are worthy of love, belonging, and joy every time you see me practice self-compassion and embrace yes. my own imperfections. Yes. We will practice courage in our family by showing up, letting ourselves be seen, and honoring vulnerability. We'll share our stories of struggle and strength. There will always be room in our home for both. We will teach you compassion by practicing compassion with ourselves first, then with each other. I want you to know joy, so together we'll practice gratitude. I want you to feel joy, so together we'll learn how to be vulnerable. Together we'll cry and face fear and grief. I will want to take away your pain, but instead I will sit with you and teach you how to feel it. Oh, I'm gonna cry right now. We all want a mother like that Me and a dad. Okay. Mm. okay. As you begin your wholehearted journey, the greatest gift that I can give to you is to live in love with my whole heart and to dare greatly. I will not teach or love or show you anything perfectly, but I will let you see me, and I will always hold sacred the gift of seeing you, truly deeply seeing you. I, I just wish everybody could live by those words, really. Me we too. Would, that's how you change the world. I believe it.
to be focused on greatness may be a way of avoiding living the life that you are presently being given to live. In other words, it's why I resist the journey metaphor sometimes that, that spiritual or religious people use, I'm on a journey. Uh -huh. If I'm on a journey, it's all about the destination. I'm not there yet. I'll be there one day. The train will pull into the station. But I'm really interested in the walking. I'm really interested in the companion on the road. I'm really interested in where I'm standing right now. So I have no argument with greatness. But if that becomes an excuse for dismissing my life now because I haven't found that great purpose yet, that's a waste of a day, if not a life, I think. A lot of times people think, you know, someday my path will start, but whatever is happening in this moment is... You're already on the path. I think that what you just said is the key, is the, that unlocks the path to a successful life, and that is trust life. That is the beginning. That is the beginning, right? Isn't that the foundation? That's the foundation of everything. To come to, to a common hope, and I love how you define hope, would you, would you share this with, <laughs> yes. with, our, with our viewers? I, I think hope is something very different from our hopes. I think see? that's so because important. Because the hopes are always something that we can imagine. Right. Uh, you can't hope for it unless you can imagine it. But hope, in this truly spiritual sense, uh, is openness for surprise, for that which you can imagine. real hope, with the capital H. That's right. Writing is your truth, would you say? Absolutely. That's your truth. Yeah. That's your truth. So tell me what happens. You know, we've all heard about, you know, athletes having a zone. Mm -hmm. Is it a zone for you too? I call it the hum. The hum? The hum. It's like I get this hum in my head where I feel like I could write forever. Like mm, hum? Yeah, almost. Yeah, like a frequency, basically. Wow. Where, I don't know, it's almost your, where you go from sort of exertion to, I don't know, exaltation, where it feels there's just an endless joy for me, where I feel like I could write for the rest of my life and I lose time and my assistant has to come in and say, it's been five hours, you have to stop now because of this or that. It's, it's really lovely. It's, the, it's a real true happiness. It's very pure for me. Wow. It's a spiritual practice. Yeah, it is. Flow is just becoming one with the music. You find some place inside the music that you tuck in and you don't, get in the way of the groove. You're just part of the track. You're like, you're no different than the, the horn or the snare or the bass or the hi-hat. I've always thought of a mountain as this magnificent metaphor for life. Because during any climb, there's always unexpected valleys. You know, you can look up at a mountain and you think, oh, that's not that far, that high up. But you don't see the valleys and the deep ridges that it takes to get to the top. They are inevitable. So whenever I experience setbacks, I try to stay conscious of whatever the experience is here to teach me, what it is allowing me to grow into. And I know that whatever is happening to any of us is a means to help us evolve into more of who we are meant to be. From a higher perspective, being challenged is a good thing. People resent being challenged by life. They think challenges should not exist. But as I sometimes put it, you may find, if you have lived for long enough, that at some point you realize that the world 
isn't here to make you happy. It can't do that. It's sort of like human evolution, where you say it's not linear. You take two steps forward in your own life and a step backwards. And then the further back you go, the more of a bounce you have to yeah. move forward, right? Yes, we definitely have evolved in consciousness, but it does not go in a straight line upward. The evolution of consciousness happens, you regress, and then you go forward a bit more. And it goes in cycles, but that is a necessary part of, of the evolution. So we, we need the crisis. Humans don't grow except through facing the challenges and crises. My mother used to say, and I thought it was so cruel at one point, especially when uh, I lost my wife and daughter and we walked out of the hospital, they had a tractor trailer broadside and killed them and my two sons were badly injured. And she said, Joey, grab my hand. She said, I don't anything horrible, something good will come if you look hard enough for it. But that was my mother's, my mother's notion. We were taught to just, just to get up. When you get knocked on, just get up. and. And, uh, and move forward and talk about how, you know, so many people without the kind of help that I had do it every day, right, right today. There's somebody who's gone through something significantly worse than me and they have nobody behind them and they're getting up and they're moving. And it gives me such overwhelming confidence in, in, in people, the ability to absorb mm -hmm. pain and the spiritual reassurance that comes from knowing they're still a part of you. I used to be very kind of hard on myself. I thought I was supposed to know things before it was possible to know them. The truth is, is that everything we're doing, that's our life's work. My life's work is to learn how to love better. My life's work is to learn how to put light in places where it's dark. Yeah. You actually don't have to do the shiny perfect thing. You can get through life by showing up and saying, okay, it actually is this hard and I need help. I need a higher power and I need you. Well, my mother used to say that in hardships uh, in your life, try to look at this moment in the light of eternity. You know, let's try to see this how God might see it. You know, if it's good or bad, any hardship or victory with humility, with acceptance and with love. So, and you, you can't love something until you can accept it. He, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Deep listening is the kind of listening that can help uh, relieve the suffering of the other person. Uh, you can call it uh, compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, help him or her to empty his heart. And if you remember that uh, you are helping him or her to suffer less, and then even if he say things full of uh, wrong perceptions, full of bitterness, you are still capable to continue to listen with compassion. Because you know that listening like that, with compassion, you give him or her a chance to suffer less. And if you are in a place where you're more powerful than the people around you, being sure to listen as much as you talk, Mm -hmm. And if you're less powerful, being sure to talk as much as you listen. We spend a full week every year in some remote place building habitat houses. And, and you know, one of the things that I've learned is that when we work side by side with a family that's never had a decent home in their lives, and we begin to comprehend quite clearly and vividly 
that their moral values are just as good as mine and their ambitions are just as great as mine. And we realize that in the past, just because somebody is poverty-stricken and deprived of what we look upon as successes in life, that they are inferior. And that's a major lesson I think I've learned in my adult life, and particularly since I left the White House, is that people are not inferior. When you actually pay attention to, nourish, love, and share what you already have, it expands. It's the opposite of what we think. When people know that, it frees them from this chase of more and more and more and more and more because there's so much energy tied up in that in everybody's life. A shorter way to say all that is what you appreciate, appreciates. Often we measure how we're doing in life by how much money we make or how many people know our name and all these other kinds of metrics, how many people respect us. I think there's another way of measuring how you're doing by how many stones you catch, by how often you actually position yourself to help those who need help. There is something redemptive, powerful, transformative about catching the stones that people throw at each other unfairly. We run from problems, most of us, but sometimes we have to run to the problem. We have to be brave. We have to be bold. We have to be engaged, all of us, as members of the human family. The fight is not over. We have to continue to fight. You too can make a contribution, and you must. So my hope with The Path Made Clear is that you will achieve not only a life of success, however you define that, but a life that is meaningful, that is also supremely significant. As the great Maya Angelou said, people may not remember what you did or what you said, but they will always remember how you made them feel. When I read a script, either my skin tingles or my stomach churns. It's that simple. If my skin tingles, I know it's something that I must do. If my stomach churns, I know it is something that I cannot do. I've never done a job just for money. I could not do anything that would not enhance humanity, especially women. It's so important for me to have peace of mind, body, and soul than to have all the riches. When I put my head on my pillow at night, I don't require a drug, alcohol, or anything else. Just fatigue. It was an article in Vanity Fair about Michael Jackson, and his friends were commenting, saying he did Thriller and then spent the rest of his life chasing Thriller. So how do you now avoid the trap of your first film, first directing, first written, becomes this phenomenon? Now that you mention it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I will continue to make mo the movies that I want to see. Yeah. First, if I want to see it, I have to have trust that other people will. 
And if they don't, I have to, I have to accept that that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, the, the whole, the biggest reward of all of this for me, besides this right here, has <laughs> always been, has always been the, the fact that I get to make another movie. So I, I don't, I don't want to let that become an unpleasant experience because this one was so successful. Comedy has always been a tool that I have used to process pain. It's how my family communicated. It's one thing we had. We always laughed. And you've been to Soweto. You've seen how yes. we live there. You know, the weird thing is when I always say to people, when you're poor, like being poor sucks, but being poor together makes it a lot better. Right, because you're in it together and you, you don't, you don't, it doesn't discount the fact that you don't have, but then you start to enjoy the things that you do have and that is each other. And so we laughed, we enjoyed ourselves. We had something that sometimes you, you, you don't have when you have too much and that is the ability to focus on the human beings around you. Success in terms of achieving objectives, in terms of manifesting a mission, in terms of manifesting a vision, that's all good, especially if what you can do can create good in the world. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. But to the extent you start to define yourself through traditional measures of success, to the extent that's your source of self-esteem, you are destined to be unhappy because yeah. you cannot control it. It's a great thing to get looked and recognized for something that you've done. But it's a moment in time. Living off of those accolades and making that become the sum total and the part of your importance in life, or even your purpose in life, defining who you are. Those awards are never, they're wonderful. They're never going to define who you are. I want to share with you why I have such a great love of the movie The Wizard of Oz. I was a child when I first understood that this movie was about so much more than a bump on my head and a fantastical dream. As I grew into my own spiritual awareness, I realized that Dorothy was on this great journey toward not just the yellow brick road, but it was really a journey toward her true self. The yellow brick road represented that path. And along the way, she encountered all the disempowered parts of herself, the scarecrow's wish for a brain, the tin man's desire for a heart, the cowardly lion's longing for courage. And like so many of us, Dorothy believed that she needed something outside of herself. In her case, the great and powerful Oz to help her. But in what I believe is the most powerful moment of the film, Glinda the Good Witch, my favorite hero, says the words that spiritual teachers have been trying to convey for thousands of years. You don't need to be helped any longer. You've always had the power. Thank you, Glenda. The Path Made Clear is meant to illustrate that you hold the power to discover your purpose and live your greatest truth, not someone else's. That dream, that truth has always been right here. You've always had it in your heart. And I wish you many blessings on your path made clear. You are a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit. And the more you cultivate a loving part of your personality, the more it begins to uh, fill your experience in your field of awareness until that's all that is. So creating authentic power is a process. It's not an event. It's done decision by decision, step by step, choice by choice. 
The point is to contribute what you can to life because that's the nature of love. In the end, I know the lesson you wish for all of us is to live each day from the marrow. We think that the answer to life is complicated or you gotta go on some big quest for it. And it, it turns out to be, you're enough just because you are. You're enough. And find the seed of enoughness in the other person. You know, give them that gift. You're enough too. And that's where love is. That, that is the seed of love. Two people who know who they are in their grand simplicity, seeing each other beyond the labels, beyond the ego, just being enough with each other. Is enough. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. You don't need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.